Jeannie Flavelle's Hot Commodity Podcast Series. Empowering clients with commercial intelligence, supply chain expertise, and risk management solutions. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to McKinney Flavelle's Hot Commodity Podcast Series. And you can tell that this is not the normal voice of McKinney Flavelle, Mike Coughlin, our faithful leader. But yet, this is Craig Ruffalo, our vice president here at McKinney Flavelle. And today is July 22nd. It's a Friday. And I am joined today with one of our famed analysts here in greater Chicagoland area, Mr. Sean Bingham. Hey, Sean, how are you doing today? I'm great. How are you doing, Craig? I'm doing good, man. It's Friday, first and foremost. Second, uh, you know, it's getting near the end of summer for our kids. If you can believe it, school is going to start up in about two and a half weeks for my kids. Hallelujah. Yep. Uh, right. Get them out of the house. Get them um, out of the house. <laughs> but uh, it's been an interesting summer for sure for for just about everybody. Uh, and, you know, we thought maybe today, you know, we talk a little bit about what's kind of the headlines that impacting the global arena. Just what are the main things? You know, obviously people are talking about Russia, Ukraine still, but that's not a new thing. It's mostly just what's going on and how is that going to then impact the commodity markets. And I've seen over the last month or so a pretty darn big sell-off in most of the grains complexes. So let's kind of hit upon some of those topics. And I'll start by suggesting that today's news of the Russia-Ukraine coming to somewhat of a peace accord on trade of grain and allowing the ports at the Black Sea to open up to move some grains uh, certainly spilled into today's commodity markets for the wheat market specifically you know, I'm I'm still not a believer until I see it. So I know it's in principle they're agreeing to it, and it does help a little bit on the sentiment to the commodity markets as far as trading. But the physical movement of that grain is going to be the other story, and I'll well, be curious to get your take on that. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. I mean, first of all, I mean, just because they sign an agreement <laughs> doesn't yeah. mean anything. I mean, it, it would be great because you know, according to the agreement, uh, they would be back fully operational within a few weeks. We'd be looking at about 5 million metric tons of grain coming out every month. So that would be, that would go a long way, particularly in countries like Northern Africa and, and the Middle East that are, that are really, uh, I mean, we talk about food shortages. They're really talking about food shortages there. Uh, but you know, at the, at the same time, uh, there's some, there's some logistical challenges. One, uh, they got to get those boats through there uh, and now the, the Russians have agreed they're not going to attack any any cargo ships coming in and out. But you still got to navigate the mines, which uh, from what I've read, they said the U- they're going to have Ukrainian vessels lead those uh, cargo ships in and out. I mean, they've got that's all satellite tracked where those mines are. So in theory, sure. they can do it. But I don't know. I mean, you got to insure those boats, too. So are they yes. And I would assume <laughs> that that has already been negotiated because this would all be really silly. If the people that that you know own those boats or insure those boats uh, say, "Yeah, no, we're not, uh, we're not going to do it," and, and uh, <laughs> I, I was talking to uh, some folks this morning, I'm like, "I hope those captains get paid double time." Because I uh, was just thinking the same thing. Not sure I would want to be on that boat. And you know, another story in the news uh, that I caught this morning was now they've basically, uh, I guess it was a story out of, out of Reuters. Uh, they have basically proven that Russia was stealing grain out of the uh, port of Crimea. So they have satellite imagery 
of a boat that was uh, supposed to be in a port in Russia uh, that they believe was actually in Crimea and uh, sailed to Turkey uh, selling, uh, you know, looted grain. And so, wow. you know, it's, it, you know, we're hearing one thing that's good news, but, you know, the, the, uh, the military actions seem to be ramping up. They're stealing grain. So I, I don't know. I'm like you was it in the kind of Missouri, right? To show me stuff. Yes, Pro- you know, correct. Prove it. Absolutely. I'm of that same opinion. Prove it. Um, you know, again, I hope like you that this becomes reality and, and that we open up not just for the grains markets, but, you know, we've been talking with our, our friends here in uh, SF Bay Commodities and about sunflower and safflower, which are mm-hmm. also big items coming out of Ukraine and uh, watching some of their uh, logistics issues and supply uh, issues for sunflower oil. I mean, let's talk about the fact that that market got about as tight as, as any of them. Uh, so, yep. you know, knock on wood, hopefully that they're able to uh, free up a lot of the supply chain problems. But as you know, just as easy as a piece of paper has been written, it can be torn up. And I, I get a little nervous about the fact that the Ukrainians are willing to sign anything that, <laughs> that the Russians are going to agree with. So yeah, we're going mean, to find it, out. It, it, we will find out. I mean, I guess it's mutually beneficial for both in a sense, uh, you know, and, and I, I think I think there weren't so much uh, pressure from the global community on Russia with, with regard to this humanitarian crisis. Uh, they probably wouldn't be doing it. So, I agree. Know, and I think we're seeing, you know, the last few days, we've seen the energy markets come off as well. Um, and, I, and, and crude oil is up a little bit more today, but it's kind of baked in the cake for the last three or four days. People thought this was going to happen. But it, it, I mean, if there is, if this is a calming of his ambitions militarily, that's a good thing. That would be a uh, great thing. Yeah, but we we will see. We well, you see. mentioned energy markets, and that's another one that's obviously going to have a massive impact on grains and all commodities, sugar yep. and others. And one of the things that uh, uh, it's been very evident out here in California for us Californians is drought. Uh, and we've been in drought conditions for probably the last five to seven years. But the heat uh, waves that's been experienced in the European community and also in other places around the country in the United States besides California. Obviously, the first thing I come to my mind is natural gas and mm-hmm. uh, the use of air conditioning. And I can only imagine uh, right now what are what is going on over in Europe with the fact that they've had to deal with uh, pipelines that have been shut down and, of course, now looking at heat and excessive amounts of it. Uh, and not only is it impacting the humans that are living in those excessive, but it's also impacting the crops. I, I, you know, your take on natural gas has been a really good one, in my opinion, over the last six months. And where do you see that this might influence uh, natural gas prices over the next six months? Do we see a little bit of a, again, a rebound uh, from the lows. I see today it's up uh, about 50 cents um, on the board or the nearby, but is that a directional move again to the upside or are we going to be kind of peaking here? I No, I think natural gas has a ways, has a ways to go. We had the, the Freeport LNG plant explosion was the only reason natural gas fell here okay. recently. You know, they once they couldn't convert that natural gas to LNG and ship it overseas, it was bottlenecked. Right. And so I think there was uh, 
a lot of hope that, that that bottleneck would create some additional stocks supplies here that we need badly because we are short, uh, but it never really materialized here. So, that, I mean, that's kind of not good on, on our part. But really, when you look at energy as a whole, I rate the concern spectrum in energy at the low. The low concern is crude oil in the United States and the, the high concern is natural gas in Europe. Oof, and, you know, yeah. Thursday... I believe it was Thursday, uh, Russia did put the Nord Stream pipeline back into operation. They had, quote, supposedly been down for maintenance. Uh, you, you know, whether that was real maintenance or not, I don't know. They, you know, the Russians argued that they couldn't get a some kind of a, uh, either a generator or, or pump, I believe out of Canada was being held up. But uh, anyway, that's back online. So that's good news. But at the same time, uh, a lot of EU nations are calling for their citizens to start cutting uh, nat gas usage by about 15%. And what they're trying to do is, I mean, it, it's bad enough. You just mentioned it, it's bad enough in the summer because they use natural gas to power, you know, power plants to generate electricity, to generate air conditioning. Right. It's going to be really bad in the winter. Oh, in the winter. That's the winter be is worse. the real concern. And so what yeah. they're trying to do is, I mean, they're trying to build up for the, for the winter and, so we're going we're seeing here it is we're starting to see energy rationing in Europe and uh boy it it's hard and 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 here in the United States because energy prices uh you know Dutch TTF is so much more expensive than the nat gas here every drop of additional nat gas we have is going to be converted to LNG and sent to Europe because yeah, that's where the that's where the money is that's where the money is follow the money follow the money so uh, here at home, I, I don't think there's a lot of room for natural gas prices to go uh, lower. I think the risk is, is definitely higher. I, I don't think that's really true for, for gasoline or crude oil. I think we're seeing more rigs coming online uh, every, every week. Um, production is increasing. So I, I, I'm not as concerned on the, on the diesel RBOB situation, but but nat gas is going to be tight for a while and probably going to get worse as we move into, you know, the, the fall months and, and whatever the Certainly situation the happens winter. to be. Yeah. And yeah. in Europe. So yeah. Sticky. Yeah. Uh, uh, that one's probably one that's not going to go away for a while. So with that, you know, everybody that's listening out there, for those that are trying to figure out your hedging opportunities for all of your ingredients, including your energy costs for 2023. We've obviously got some insights on those to give you some guidance and keep you uh, abreast of what's going to influence uh, a lot of your op costs. So it's not just ingredients. It's also some of the energy uh, components of your business that you're going to need to continue to, to have to uh, watch and monitor. Uh, yep. Let's switch a little bit here to generally uh, the conditions of the grains crops here in the United States, uh, U.S., uh, particularly here for corn and beans as we get through the growing season and uh, we're entering in certain uh, elements of it, the pollination period uh, for that crop that was planted uh, a little bit early. And then those that have been delayed, we've probably got about another 10 days before pollination hits in that Minnesota, North Dakota range. But Sean, I, I interestingly have seen that the you know the ratings are are pretty standard for the five year average, just over sixty some percent, good to excellent rating on beans and corn. But what's interesting is is that we've jumped um, into watching the liquidation, I'll call it, of the 
technicals or the non-commercials. And, and really, for what? Is it a lack of concern over a crop? No, because we've had excessive heat, lack of rain, right at in the beginnings of a pollination period, the most critical time period. So what was, in your estimation, the reasoning behind a lot of this sell-off, particularly in the corn market? Well, it, you know, Craig, it's... It, it, the thing about the thing about the speculator market, uh, they don't read the WASDE report. Very right? few, <laughs> exactly. Very few of them do. There are plenty of fundamental reasons why the grain market should probably be higher than it is today. Now, I will say, yeah. I will say that that we were we were at some very very elevated prices relative to stocks to use that we've seen in history. So we have basically come down to what I would call a very neutral level. But I agree. As, yeah, but as far I as agree. The, the speculators go, look, they, they're just following momentum. They're following trend, and when everything turned, and let's be let's let's be let's, let's be honest, what turned this market was the Federal Reserve. When I agree, when when Powell recognized that they were way behind the curve, that that inflation was not transitory, and that they were going to have to really tighten the screws on it, that's when every that's when this entire everything, all commodities, the dollar, gold crude, you, you know, you, you name it. Everything went lower and or the, um, the dollar went higher and everything went lower. And and we're still playing that out. We're probably going to get another 75 basis points next Wednesday at the meeting. Uh, and then, you know, most most folks believe and the market believes that then, then we're going to cool it down a little bit. We're going to start looking at 50 basis point rate hikes probably from them. But, you know, that the CPI numbers that came out here recently was just another reason for the next sell wave down. And, yeah. and as long as we keep going down, the speculators will keep pyramiding on, on, on that. And, and I, and I, I will say though, at least at this point, I think most of the liquidation has been exactly that liquidation. It has not been short selling. We have, oh, not, I agree hundred yeah. percent. This is not a confidence in, in an oversupply this is more a liquidation of a, of a position to get uh, moving out of a concerns, perhaps maybe of where the money uh, value of money is going. Exactly. Exactly. So, the, you know, the the index money is coming out, the speculator money is coming out. I would say the spec money is pretty much completely out Gone. at this point. Yep. Still some index money to, to come out. I, I mean, that's one of the reasons we're seeing more of this today. I think we're running we're running to that point now where there's not a lot of money flow reasons for the market to keep going lower. I agree 100%. And I think I think the secondary component of that too, Sean, is, is that uh, there is a little bit of apprehension on demand degradation potential if you're going to follow the money. Again, if you're looking at inflation, then equates to a lower CPI and then can have, oops, we got a recession. And you know, some argue we're in it. Some argue that we are forecasted to, to begin it sometime in 2023. And of course, there are some that would suggest to you that we're going to avoid a recession altogether. Whether you're on any side of that uh, argument, that there's no question that I think some of the sell-offs that we're seeing in the commodity arena is a little bit of ahead of uh, betting on the fact that we might see some reduction in demand in total, which would probably loosen up a little bit of the concerns surrounding supply. Because I, I agree with you. I don't think we're trading down based on confidence of supply. Uh, there's still a lot of supply chain issues that have to, to get resolved. Whether or not you actually grow the crop, it's also being able to get it from point A to point B. 
which yeah. is all the freight. And I don't think freight is going anywhere uh, on the downside anytime soon. No. So, so ultimately, I, what we're saying is, is that more volatility uh, to come, uh, and that we're going to probably <laughs> uh, entertain uh, a little bit of a, a lull here. Then we're going to probably have a pop up on on uh, some buy-in opportunities, people that have been resting on the sidelines, and then maybe get some harvest pressure right ahead of the crop being harvested on the grain side, uh, if okay. you're looking at it from corn, beans, and wheat. That sounds about fair. Hey, I got one more story. I th- I All right, I, throw it in there. We'll, we'll, we'll end on a little bit lighter note here. So uh, this was out of Reuters too. And since a lot of these stories are coming out of Russia, this one fits in right too. So Russia, polar bear rescued in Russia after getting tongue stuck in milk can. <laughs> so this one comes out of uh, this one comes out of Dixon, which is a northern outpost in Russia, where apparently a two-year-old female kept wandering up to huts in the village because she had a can stuck to her teeth or to her tongue. <laughs> tongue. And uh, apparently the uh, folks from the uh, Moscow Zoo uh, got up there and uh, and got this can off of her tongue. And so she's <laughs> she's going to be okay. So, oh, right? thank God. Thank yeah. God for that. Like, I mean, you know, oh. you got a, any story about a bear is yeah. always a good story. You can't, Absolutely. Who I doesn't mean, it, love bears? Right. And I mean, it depends on your age, uh, but what your imaging is. And of course, I've got my own from Yogi Bear days in the <laughs> cartoons and yeah. having exactly. hands stuck in peanut jar, peanut butter jars and yeah. all that fun stuff. But oh, my goodness. Well, yeah, that well, is they, a good way. Yeah. And they actually there is. And if you're interested, go on words. There actually is a picture of the bear with the can stuck to its tongue so it, you know ladies and gentlemen that might be the definition of a slow new day we're reporting on a polar we're reporting on a polar bear we got, hey we got it we got it on friday <laughs> friday on a light note right and absolutely uh, it, and there are some good things happening in the world so. oh there is we don't want to make everything One. doom and gloom but no. we have to be mindful of the fact that uh, what moves markets is well, news and and that polar bear. Now that it's free, we might be able to have a good day over uh, uh, over the uh, Friday that we're experiencing today on the downside of commodity markets. Well, Sean, thank you so much for your, always your insights. Appreciate yeah. the opportunity to chat with you on a Friday, and happy Friday to everybody else out there. Two things to remind people: uh, one, Eric Thornton and myself will be in Vail, Colorado, for the American Sugar Alliance Symposium starting July thirty first. Uh, For anybody that's uh, listening and attending that, we look forward to seeing you there. The other is McKinney Favelle has just announced uh, something that's near and dear to your heart, Sean, risk Mm -hmm. management services. Uh, And for those that aren't familiar with it, please reach out to Sean or others within McKinney Favelle to talk through what's the new offerings for McKinney Favelle's risk management services. Uh, And with that, we'll wrap things up today. And like Mike says, live life with an attitude of gratitude and be sure to stay cool in the heat. Sean out there in Chicago, try not to stay into the, uh, the, into the winds, uh, as they say with the humidity, (laughs) just it blows like a heater in your face. It's a hot one here. That's for sure. All right, my friends. Well, everybody have a great weekend and we'll talk to you later. That concludes this podcast episode. For expanded commentary and more detailed information, log on to McKinney Favelle's IQ Ingredient Intelligence platform and listen to our Market Insights podcast. If you're not a subscriber, visit bikini-favelle.com for more information. And as always, follow us on YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter.